Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, and this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. Class of 95! Class of 95! With your host, Pete. What have we got on the spacecraft that's good? I'll get back to you, Gene. And Greg. That they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom! We slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Jan, a real friend likes you for who you are, not what's on your face. If you judge your friends for passing judgment on you, you're not only judging yourself, you're judging your friends for judging you, and that would be using bad judgment. I never thought of it that way. Well, what that leads us to is we're already recording, and we're talking oh. about 1995. How's that keep happening? I don't know, but apparently we're talking about Bonnie Hunt. Uh, wait, Bonnie Hunt? Yeah, Bonnie Hunt. That was Linda Hunt. Well, I don't even know who Linda Hunt is. I know who Bonnie Hunt is. Who are you talking about? What's her face? She was on uh, Mad About You. Helen Hunt. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah. Fine. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. So now that we're doing... Too many hunts out there. We're doing a hunt podcast. (laughs) Who are these people? I don't know. (laughs) Bonnie Hunt was the sister in Jerry Maguire and uh, Robin Williams' girlfriend in Jumanji. Didn't she direct some stuff, too? I don't think so. I thought she did. She had her own talk show for a while, but who didn't? All right. I think she was on that grand show way back when. It's very possible. The the, the lady has had an extremely long distinguished career of is that why we're here to talk about the distinguished career of bonnie hunt we could and how how is bonnie hunt making a comeback especially since the bonnie hunt show went off the air five years ago so Uh, hey chevy chase is getting his show back any day so oh god there you go we can we can hindsight all of the talk shows (laughs) (laughs) that have not quite panned out for various stars and personalities the tempest blood (laughs) (laughs) let's watch the tempest blood show from the cosby show you know right next to the vivica a fox talk show or something or tyra banks or I never even watched those things, so I can't even, like, the lifespan of a lot of those. I don't even know how long most of those things, like, last. What's the average? A year or two for most of them? If they're as bad as something like the Tempest Bledsoe show, then maybe, like, six weeks. But, uh... Well, again, I never watched it. I don't want to sell it short. Um, There are many reasons I didn't watch it, but what made that one bad? 
because um, it was awful. Okay, all right. <laughs> Why did, I mean, was it like Chris Farley show? Uh, I'm Tempest Blood, so I, I guess. <laughs> I, I can't. What was she doing? I can't sit here and say that I thought about it a whole oh, lot God, to yeah, actually I, give I, an explanation I thought, outside I of it was kept just going terrible. It was terrible. I thought you'd seen something. Of um, it. I because I did. I saw like a a minute of it once and thought, oh, well, this is awful, and then moved <laughs> on. So I. Uh, but we're we're here about 1995, not okay, awful right. talk shows. We're here about the year of Batman Forever. What? What yeah. else was in that year? Uh, did well, nature call? It did. Were we looking through golden eyes at all the movies as we played Jumanji? With Casper Pullman. <laughs> <laughs> With a vengeance on a crimson tide full of water. Were, were we in danger of having lines? a crimson su- tide send us into a water world? What was going on? <laughs> they were sending you into a water world while you were sleeping. In the Congo. Well, I was waiting to exhale back then. <laughs> well, you had a brave heart while you were getting shorty. <laughs> that made me want to die hard with a vengeance. <laughs> Across the bridges of Madison County? Oh, no, we got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting grumpy or grumpier, old men. <laughs> oh! If you keep this going, I'm going to send Judge Dredd after you, damn it. Oh, uh, we could have an outbreak of heat in nine months. <laughs> Uh, I'm just waiting to exhale, so that's a yeah. We <laughs> we're just we're just a bunch of bad boys. I I can't help it. I can't help it. <sighs> so anyway, and the one that we couldn't fit in, Pocahontas. All right, because <laughs> that just doesn't fit. Did we keep our brave hearts as we were talking through this? Of course. Okay. Of course. Seven times, actually, I think, mm. or, or twelve, like just right. like monkeys. Whatever I gotta do to end this, if this doesn't stop, I'm gonna have to challenge you to some Mortal Kombat. Well, if you have just cause, then you can <laughs> you can do it, and we'll have a goofy movie. <laughs> uh, nah, just go take a. That walk. American president really does need a babe. Well, hey, but we're recording over the net, so it gives us something <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> but we are kind of clueless. We are an odd species. <laughs> So let's just uh, dive into Under Siege 2 and talk about the Brady Bunch movie. What about Sabrina? Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no sense or sensibility to this podcast at all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> we need a lot of higher learning. <laughs> I like the Brady Bunch before they went to the casino. Hey, look, let's just hop on the money train and talk about this. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, (laughs) it's 1995. Why is it 1995? I need to know. Because it's 20 years ago, and everyone loves those crazy round number anniversaries, and we we have to get it out of the way already that it's just painful to think that 1995 was 20 years ago already. Going off to college, what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But... uh, uh, we'll change it up a little bit and say, you know, Hollywood loves to reboot, remake, and seems to be all of a sudden we're on a 10 and 20 year cycle where we have things like Anchorman 2, 10 years later, Dumb and Dumber 2, 20 years later. So we're going to... 12 Monkeys as a TV show. Yeah. So we're kind of in the, we're, we're, we're in the 20 years of, since 1995. So we go down the list to see what is being done. What hasn't been done? 
Ooh. What should be done? I got, a, I got a challenge for you on the spot here before we get into 1995. Do we have to play Jumanji before we, we challenge? We could. All right. Go back to the 80s. Can you think of, and I don't care what year, can you think of anything from the 60s on, on the 20-year track that got rebooted when we were kids? There are two of them, and I think we mentioned them on several occasions as we pull them up as examples of how to do it right. Mm. Number one is, um, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. Hey, you said that. You said that so assertively. <laughs> I did because the first one I was going to say like, I, I didn't. Got this. Oh, I know the second one by heart, and then the first one I was, oh God, uh, Kurt Russell, John Carpenter in the snow, the thing, the thing. There you go. That was from the uh, late 50s. Yeah. Okay. All right. Close enough. Late 50s, early 60s, and it was made in 1982. And then The Color of Money is the one that I always go back to as the long gap that was done correctly, and that was essentially a sequel of The Hustler, hmm. uh, the 1961 or whatever it was film with Paul Newman as Fast Eddie, the uh, pool shark. And then Color of Money was sequel in 1986 with Tom Cruise, where... Now he was the older Fast Eddie teaching Tom Cruise how to be the pool shark and actually won Paul Newman his Oscar. So, I mean, that's those are the two that I can think of, and I'm sure, I mean, The Fly, David Cronenberg's The Fly, but again, that was, that was more 50s, so again, you're looking more at 30 years instead of 20. Yeah, so I just had the Back to the Beach movie was all I was coming up with. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, hell, Die Hard. Didn't we learn that was Frank Sinatra in 1968 or 69 or whatever? The update of the detective or the follow-up to the detective. Or whatever it was. It was something. Godfather Part 3 was, well, Well, that was 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 89, wasn't it? That was 89 or 90, and Godfather Original was 72, so it's close. Close. But what we're looking at is, right, we're on the... Nice round. We've had so much more of the snake eating its own tail here in the last decade. So if we go off of the Dumb and Dumber 2 model, for good or ill. (laughs) I was going to say, do we really want to walk this path? And that could lead down the path of 20 years ago, the number one grossing movie was Batman Forever. So we were in the heat of the. The Burton Batman craze, and it was new Batman coming on board with Kilmer and everyone else, and it was we've talked about it at nauseum. It's quite awful. (laughs) Well, but at the time, obviously, if the thing clocked in as the number one at the box office and everything, was it the curiosity coming off of Returns, which had a kind of more lukewarm reception, or was it just... Uh, people wanting to, you know, the curiosity factor alone, or what? What do we think propelled this movie? Why did it connect with audiences and dominate that year? I just because it was a brand. I, I think people were so into the blockbuster brand of Batman that it, it still led them to go see it. And then when people said, "Oh, this is better than Batman Returns," it got a little bit of a bump and a boost. So Seal had nothing to do with it. The Jim Carrey factor wasn't at work for us. We well, I'm sure Jim Carrey was there because this was the heat of Jim Carrey, where he's number three on the box office list that year. We, we weren't there for Oscar winner Tommy Lee Jones. 
Um, even though his performance was hideous, I'm sure that that, <laughs> that was only two years off of The Fugitive, so I'm yeah, sure that, that was only two years. Yeah. But I guess what we're looking at is, all right, so we're 20 years away from this list of movies that we're looking at here. Uh, what, what's the, uh, you have the box office pulled up there. What's mm-hmm. the, uh, what, what's the, the top 10 box office U.S. gross of 1995? All right. Do you want the numbers or just the movies? Yeah. Just roll through the movies and then we can see what we got in the top 10 that is, is coming back to us. I feel like I need to be doing some Letterman like top 10 thing. Okay, uh, uh, number 10. <laughs> and, uh, we already mentioned it. We're not counting down. Uh, Batman Forever was number one. Uh, Pocahontas was number two. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls, clocks in with three. Goldeneye, the Bond reboot of that year, was number four. Casper was number five. Jumanji was number six. Uh, seven is seven. Uh, Die Hard with Vengeance is eight. Crimson Tide comes in at nine, and we wrap up the list with, of all things, Waterworld. Well, why wouldn't you? <laughs> now, I think you can put two separate things on into how we look at this. I think the first thing you look at is there's just always going to be the animated family fair of the year that doesn't really translate into a, a franchise. It's usually just oh, they're putting it out. The- yeah, and I mean, back then you were still going through the, uh, I guess this was coming more at the tail end of the Disney animation renaissance that started with The Little Mermaid. But, yeah, uh, so I'd say I'd, out of that list, I'd put Pocahontas and Casper in that list of these are just movies that were put out. They're, they weren't intended to do anything more than just we need a movie, to, it's family fair. So they were put out. And Batman, I think you take that one out just because that despite the reboot period between Batman and Robin and Begins, it's just always going to be with us, I think. So it, it it's interesting to look back, but I think we talked about that one. So mm-hmm. Ace Ventura. <laughs> it's 20... It was early 94 was the first one, and then they hustled and got the second one out. Now, Jim, Jim Carrey... Carrey quite the run there. <laughs> oh, God. Jim Carrey was on... From, like, 94 to 96, it was Jim Carrey's world. Mm-hmm. But... So Ace Ventura, he just dipped back in with Dumb and Dumber. Is Jim Carrey trying to revive everything that made his career the gold standard in in 1995? Or is Ace Ventura something that's ripe for uh, a whole string of... I'm surprised it hasn't been done yet, but a whole string of direct-to-on-demand Movies, or I'm pretty sure wasn't there a cartoon about Ace Ventura? Was there? I thought there was. Uh, but well, why don't you look? I, you got me curious now about that one because I um, just wonder I, if I, Ace Ventura is something that could be brought back. Is this a franchise that can make its way back into modern day? Well, would you want Jim? The I think the big question with that one would be: Would you want Jim Carrey back, or would you want to do some kind of a reboot recast? Um, well, the answer there was a Ace Ventura Pet Detective cartoon series in oh, 1995. Wow. Okay, well there we go. So, I had no idea that existed. I had a vague memory of that. Um, 
I'd always go for reboot, especially after seeing what happened with Dumb and Dumber. And uh, well, okay, but neither of us did. Wait, did you watch it? Did you see the Dumb and Dumber sequel? I did, and oh, okay, God help me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, was it the performance, or was it the writing, or was it a combination of both, or what? Uh, what? Why are you saying that you're you would want the recast? Because Dumb and Dumber was one of those lightning in the bottle kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was not necessarily oh we got to see what happens with these characters. It was this is the funny part of the moment kind of thing, and like we've talked about at nauseum, you you just can't recapture comedy. It's almost impossible to do a sequel that is as good or better than the original in in pure comedy, not airplane naked gun slapstick comedy where you can just do different slapsticky things but where it has some character basis to it you just can't do it it doesn't work so no uncle buck two well (sighs) we miss john candy (laughs) (laughs) it would obviously have to be a reboot oh yes um, okay, I got to be honest. I saw the original Ace Ventura in theaters, and I mean, I was like target demographic for that. I had watched uh, Jim Carrey on In Living Color and everything like that. That was one that the humor I really connected with. For whatever reason, I never saw the sequel. And it was it was pretty much the, much of the same. I mean, there was nothing outlandishly different. It was just Jim Carrey doing Jim Carrey, which makes me say we need to get off this particular movie just because I think this is this is a product of Jim Carrey more than it is a product of a part that Jim Carrey played. I okay. This was Jim Carrey, and I really don't want to see him do a Dumb and Dumber thing where he has to come back to it, and the only thing to say is to reboot, and is it really worth rebooting something where it is so much about the actor, not the character? Yeah, they're pretty much synonymous. I mean, it was pretty much his character to play. It's like, uh, um, it's like a, it's, it's almost like a, an SNL skit made into a movie, and then saying, "Let's do another movie with a different actor who didn't play the character on the on Saturday Night Live." It's it's kind of like that. <laughs> no, do we do we have a good kind of? I mean, I think of the Jim Carrey of this era as being very much a physical commute comedian i mean just you know contorting his face and his body and doing the impressions and the voices and all that kind of stuff do we have a modern day equivalent that you could even shuffle in there that we're aware of i mean i'm sure there's somebody out there but well we live in such a a different world now where you have the flavor of the the moment like you have zach galifianakis doing his thing Mm-hmm. I think that might be an equivalent from a couple years ago is when he hit in The Hangover, and then all of a sudden he was doing several movies where he was basically doing Zach Galifianakis. That's kind of what Jim Carrey was stuck into, but to a much lesser degree. Yeah, Melissa McCarthy on the female side kind of did the same thing. She hit big with Bridesmaids, and then it was just, let's do a series of Melissa McCarthy's funny roles that are all the same, same basic performance. Yeah. But... I don't know. I, I vote for leaving this one alone. Yeah, the only way I would want to see this would be like little video shorts or something like that on YouTube might be kind of fun. Like the, sh- you know, keep it under five minutes t- 
tops <laughs> for any of them. <laughs> and maximum. And, yeah. And I mean, just if you want the nostalgia, if you want to kind of kick it around or have a little fun with some gags or something like that, I I think something on like a college humor site or something like that would be fine. But yeah, I just can't see. Um, I think you're right. I think this just, this is one that rises and sets with Jim Carrey. And again, based on, uh, what happened last year with the Dumb and Dumber sequel. Probably best just to leave this one, leave it alone. Leave it to the dust of history. So that brings us to GoldenEye, which is Bond. Which which has really already been been rebooted. rebooted. Yeah. So we can move on. All right. Uh, Casper, eh, again, I mean, it's based on an old property, so it theoretically could be redone. I guess you could, but without knowing much about the actual... Yeah, cartoon or anything. <laughs> I, I couldn't even go anywhere with that except knowing that Casper Pullman was in it. Um, <laughs> Jumanji. This is one I've heard people actually talk about doing a new updated version of, and I think this uh, honestly is one of the more surprising movies that I remember from 1995 really digging as just a an enjoyable time on a kid level. It didn't... Yeah, Pander down or anything. It was just a fun movie that really just kind of happened. That's a good way of describing it. I did not see this in the theater. I just saw it on TV years later. And yeah, I mean, there wasn't anything bad about it, but it also didn't really stick with me much. But I think because of the way the board game mythology was there and they kind of almost left it open ended at the end for a sequel when the board game ends up on a beach that I, I I could definitely see Disney dragging this one up. I mean, obviously, Disney has enough to keep their plates full, but I think Disney could pull this one back up. They don't need Robin Williams. This is a, the opposite of the Ace Ventura problem. This is a part that Robin Williams played. It wasn't a Robin Williams piece. So, no, I, I don't think, yeah. So I think this one could be done right. This one, you could you have a big world you could play in. With the video game that's or the board game that sucks you in, I mean, it could be interesting to actually turn it into a video game modern day. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I can. I'm. Was this a Disney movie? Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm a Disney exec. Well, do kids even play board games anymore? Do they even know what those are? Yeah. Um, you you get sucked into the 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 digital world basically. And well, how is that different than Spy Kids 3D? Uh, do we have to talk about <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's other movies out there where you get sucked into video games. Oh, hell, Tron. <laughs> but not if you just get sucked into the game, but more along uh, you, in the Jumanji way, though. Is that it, it? you don't get sucked into the game as far as the game actually comes into your world. That, that mm-hmm. was the key with Jumanji. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I could see that go, transferring and somebody takes this old game and tries to update it as a video game and suddenly becomes like an app on people's phones and everyone's phones becomes this portal for the game to come to life. And suddenly it's a worldwide pandemic of the rhinoceroses and all sorts of crap coming out of the game. And uh that could be really interesting and cool. I think they could do something with it. Perhaps. All right. Uh, seven. Seven. Seven serial killers. I, oh. Would seven ever need to be rebooted? Or I was going to say, no, I think you just leave this one alone. 
that those types of movies though are the ones that people say leave it alone but then somebody ultimately says that's been 20 years let's let's we could redo that in modern day really cool all right well let's 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 examine for a moment its nearest uh, competitor or contemporary or whatever let's look at the silence of the lambs franchise for a second how many of those movies a have you seen and b would you want to go back to or vouch for the the first one <laughs> but <laughs> those were all direct both sequ- questions but those were all direct sequels though well, they were. Quite honestly, the the TV show on NBC, Hannibal, has been getting... I, I watched the first couple of them and then thought, eh, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. I just haven't had time or interest to go back to it. But from what I hear, it's fantastic. Yeah, I've heard good things about that, and I believe it's kind of a ratings juggernaut, yes? I, I don't know if it's ratings juggernaut more than people are shocked to hell that it, what they're doing on broadcast television. It's oh, okay. like it should be a cable show. Gotcha. But that's a reboot, though. Uh, yeah. It's not a direct sequel. Anthony Hopkins is nowhere near that thing. So that is not really much of a comparison. Plus, it was a bigger world, whereas Seven was very isolated. It was this one guy mm-hmm. and his one issue right. with these one set of cops at this one period of time, whereas Hannibal Lecter was world famous and had it was a serial killer and he, there were other killers involved it was based on a book i think that's a, a unfair comparison seven is just the well piece. just just because of the proximity of time when these two things came out that's why i shoved them together um yeah that's fair i i don't know i I feel like the only way that you could get away with doing a sequel would have somebody doing some kind of a copycat um I don't know if you could get both Pitt and Freeman back, and at least to me, I think you would need both of them back if you were going to do any kind of a credible sequel. But are we talking sequel, or are we talking somebody coming in and redoing Seven, or like another movie on this list that we could talk about, Twelve Monkeys? It, could they do it as a a TV show version? I mean, I, I, do we know anything being, about yeah. that? I, I don't want to go too far down i don't want to jump ahead too far but do we know anything about that show like what the premise is or i don't know anything about 12 monkeys show when it's I just know exactly. when it's coming out do we know when it's coming out it's already out oh it is yeah it's okay. already been on for a couple of weeks but oh, all right well shows what i know sure <laughs> <laughs> i know much i don't know much more i don't know much more okay all right, well, yeah, rounding out seven and everything, so you would be up for doing some kind of a reboot or sequel on this one. I would think it's ripe. Now, this is without seeing True Detective and not really knowing what it's about. Mm-hmm. It sounds similar, but, I, again, I, somebody's listening to this going, you are out of your mind! <laughs> so, eh. I, I could see them doing a TV version. I, I could see... Somebody like NBC picking up uh, Seven and using the property. I mean, it was so famous for just the opening credits that Fincher did. Those kind of oh, off the, the wall. Well, the style, the style with Fincher really comes through with us. I mean, I got to be honest. I to this day do not really like um, what he did with Aliens Three. This was the movie where I connected with Fincher and his style. 
this is where everybody connected with Fender yeah. in this style. But Seven is kind of a brand. Uh, it is. And I could see somebody saying, we're doing 12 Monkeys. Why couldn't we do a r- up modern-day telling version of this story in a seven-part miniseries on HBO or something? I, I think and, you would have to have some kind of a definite cutoff point. I think if you tried to do this as like a series, I think it would just fall collapse in on the weight of itself. No, you just you go to HBO or Showtime or Stars or whatever and you say, "All right, we're going to do a we are this is branding at its finest. We're going to try <laughs> and do the best we can to write the best screenplays, but we are going to do seven episodes yep. in the middle of July that are going to go over seven weeks." And it's going to be the seventh month, and we're going to do it in 2017, and it's going to be, it's all about seven. And each one is a deadly sin, murder, crime, whatever, and they're going to expand on it. And maybe they'll end a little bit differently than, what's in the box? And we'll, we'll, we'll see. Hey, John Doe has the upper hand. Oh, no, the upper hand. Stay out of here. <laughs> don't. Uh, chop a five, don't come here. So I think that could be a, a a ripe for a series, a very small one run series kind of. Yeah, thing. what whatever it is, again, it needs to be limited in scope and length. Yeah, yeah, either that or we're doing five episodes per each of the deadly sins, so we can do thirty five episodes. Yeah, some something where it's it's very delineated, marked off, and yeah, because oh god, I can just see that spinning into all kinds of bad directions if you don't put some kind of a cap on that from the get go. Yeah, what are your thoughts on seven? Uh, I'm more up for it actually now that you mentioned that. All right. uh, I. Again, I I really think that you would need to get, if not Pitt and Freeman back, you would need to get people who can kind of slip into those roles and have you connect with them the way that, um, I mean, I I really did. Especially Freeman, I really liked him in that movie. Yeah, but this is is a modern uptake. I mean, do you use your Silence of the Lambs reference again? You have you don't have Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins no, in the Hannibal TV show. You've got again. I want I want the vibe off the character. That's what I mean by that. Yeah, I mean you've got uh, whoever the guy is playing Hannibal now is the guy this, from Casino uh, Royale. Yeah, bad guy from Casino Royale. So yeah, I mean, you, and you don't have William Peterson playing Will Graham. I mean, sure. you've got some other dude. So it's just a modern day telling. But yeah, and I, again, I got no problem with that. But I I, I want to preserve that the dynamic of that kind of environment. And vibe of both the setting and the characters who were inhabiting the setting. I really did um, like that a lot. Well, Guhei and Guhei, we move on to number eight, where we've been in this world before. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know how much more we can talk about with Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I will never forget. This was the final day. I'm going to age myself, but this was the final day of my senior year of high school where we got out early, and there were about 19 or 20 of us that drove about 15 minutes south of our high school to go see one of the first showings on a Friday when the day this movie opened. So I always remember that, Uh, and it also being the second best of the series which is not hard to be. Yeah, I was going to say, agreed. (laughs) And basically because John McTiernan came back to direct it. But um, 
we kind of, yeah we talked about it at, at nauseum during that original show way back when. But is this something that are we still in the world of Bruce Willis owning this, or is this something where eventually Die Hard's going to be a brand that can outlive Bruce Willis? I only see Willis at most doing one more of these anyways, and then you're going to, if you want to keep this going, if you're the studio and you want to keep this going, you're going to have to come up with something else. Um, Whether it's recasting, rebooting, you know, both, you start following a female cop instead of a male cop, you know, something. So it would be uh, the Die Hard brand presents... John Athena McLean or something like that. <laughs> well, we talked about the whole family stuff and what they seem to be. Yeah, it's like uh, Mutt in that fourth Indiana Jones movie. No, well, no here's, never here's my never. Jai Courtney's son who might take over the role at some point, maybe. No, but I'm talking about skip all of the McLean stuff and just use Die Hard as the branding name. Mm-hmm. And now you're just telling a different story. Kind of like what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill wanted to do after they were done after Halloween 2. Mm-hmm. They said, we want to make a movie every year where Halloween is the brand name and it's just a different story altogether. It has nothing to do with the other one. It's just the branding name is Halloween. It's like National Lampoon presents another movie. Die Hard is something else. and Or is the John McClane character too much to get over. Now, I'm asking this as somebody who there's two movies on this list that will forever remain dearer to me than this is one of them. <laughs> and I ask this of someone else. Is is John McClane too attached for Die Hard to become a brand more than just a joke brand that it became when it was Speed is Die Hard on a bus? And Right. Um, I think they would really... God, I don't know. I think they would really have to commit one way or another if Willis did come back and do a final installment, and that's either the passing of the torch, or that's a, this guy is John McClane, this is Die Hard, and this is it. And he's dead. (laughs) He needs to die. Sorry. The first is a classic, but uh, like the uh, Cinema Sins YouTube video, John McClane is dead. (laughs) Like 50 times. Wait to go, John (laughs) McClane. Yeah. No, I I think you have to solidly, whatever the next entry is, you got to solidly make a decision and stick to it. So it's either this is it, or the pa- the torch is being passed, and this is going to be the new, we're starting to set up the new model or the new person we're following for this Die Hard series. It's one or the other. You can't do it both ways. Because this is it. Do I please let John McClane go? <laughs> okay. He's become a cartoon of himself. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you all know? Very big piece about me and the planet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Send next. him on vacation. We're good. Moving on. Oh, next on the list, Crimson Tide. Now, here's a movie that I have seen bits and pieces of over and over and over and over again, but I still to this day have never seen the entire thing all in one sitting. Yeah, and this is one that I actually saw in the theater that I have clear memories of going and seeing in the theater. Now, is this movie, from what my not limited knowledge is, would I ask this question, mm-hmm. and I could be dumbified, 
<laughs> is this a movie that is too similar to many other things out there and a quote-unquote reboot would be pointless anyways because it would just be another different version? Or is this movie so singularly unique that doing another Crimson Tide means something? How, how familiar are you with the plot before I answer that question? Denzel Washington leads a mutiny versus Gene Hackman, who mutinies back to <laughs> take control, where there's the a mutiny screen. up against the mutiny, <laughs> who's mutiny back, who they take control, <laughs> and they take control again versus a mutiny. That's, I, 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 I know that uh, just off the top of my head, I could say that it's on a nuclear missile sub where mm-hmm. a young first officer stages a mutiny to prevent his trigger-happy captain from launching his missiles before yeah, confirming I mean, his is, orders to is, do so. Yes, this is the antithesis of a uh, ethical argument, essentially. Um, and we just throw it into a military setting, and you just have the high stakes playing out um, where, again, there's... I, I think the movie tries to get you to firmly settle in one camp or the other, but both sides have valid points. And, I mean, at the end of the thing, the whole point of the movie was uh, really, I think, just kind of showing that, you know, there are ethical dilemmas in military situations that just don't have necessarily real easy answers. Um, it all really depends on the outcome. And because of the way that things play out in the movie... And the way that the characters are kind of painted, it's Denzel Washington's character who ends up with the more sympathetic and ultimately correct argument. Um, I I think you could probably, I mean, it would take a little bit of creativity, but I think you could probably come up with another one of these kind of ethical sticking points. I mean, history and especially military history is replete with having to make tough choices that, again, depending on the outcome of a situation or a battle or something like that, um, would look very different. So I think you could do something along these lines. I don't know about a like direct, straight reboot with these exact characters in this exact circumstance. I don't know if you could do that, but uh, well, was this you could take the basic idea. Was this still heavily tied into the Cold War kind of atmosphere, or was this something that, it that was, could be set apart? It was... As I remember it, it's been a little while since I've watched it. As I remember it, some breakaway Russian republic had uh, somebody who, you know, was unstable and had taken over some base where there were a bunch of nukes. And the sub that Denzel Washington and Gene Hackman get sent out on are out there supposed to be, you know, protecting the peace. Da, 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 da. And they get this message fragment about the missiles that this captured uh, breakaway base might be getting set up to get launched and um, they're not able to confirm whether or not that's their launch orders and everything and that's where the dilemma comes in and you've got Gene Hackman the captain saying hey we gotta act on this and you've got the Denzel Washington character saying we don't have confirmation we can't act on this Oh, good. So there's then no chance for that to happen again in the modern day because Russia is so entirely stable right now that <laughs> nothing like that would ever happen. Well, and like I'm saying, you don't have to play it out the exact same way, but people get faced with ethical dilemmas and, again, military situations and everything all the time. So I think you, I think you could play with the basic concepts just fine, but a straight sequel, probably not. All right. Well, we can leave that one there, then move on to... Uh... 
the perhaps the biggest hit of 1995, <laughs> the most head scratching uh, <laughs> paper. Have you seen paper? Oh, it's Waterworld. <laughs> Kevin Costner's classic. Makes me want some food. <laughs> Pissing on a plant and drinking it. Uh, Waterworld. Yeah, is there anything one that, here? <laughs> this was one that I did not did not see in theaters. I'm assuming that's the same for you. Uh, I I, do, I honestly don't remember if I did see it in the theater or not. I know this, I saw it. This thing had a reputation. I I want to say before it came out, but I mean. It it made money. It it did good. It's number ten on the list and everything like that. But it's very much a kind of cult following niche movie. Well, now it is. But when before it came out, you know, it, the it was infamous for being a compo- complete and colossal disastrous shoot because mm-hmm. everything was on the water and there were storms and the budget was astronomical and there were fights between Kevin Reynolds and Kevin Costner and and it just it was never ending and i think the type of movie that it ended up being yeah should have been kind of like this cult mad max kind of thing mm-hmm. and it should have never gotten to the point where we're talking about yeah, the the budgets. I mean, nineteen ninety five dollars. We're saying the budget's a hundred million dollars for this thing, which that's like three hundred million dollar budget now. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's just astronomical, and it just kept going, and that's what it was most famous for. And I think it never had a shot of really doing anything because it was so famous for being this big, huge disaster before it was ever a uh, footage was seen. I vaguely remember the movie. I remember it had its points and it had its detractors. I think the idea of living on Waterworld and finding dry land is interesting, but oh, the what? Yeah. What was the? Was he just the Mariner? Was that Kevin Costner's character's name? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know if it was just the way that he was directed or the way the character was written or whatever, but. There's just nothing to really connect with there. Um, I remember a lot of people yelling at each other constantly. Dennis Hopper is just chewing through the scenery. Um, I, again, kind of like you said, I'm. I think the concept is kind of interesting, but you could take that concept and, as far as I'm concerned, totally repopulate it with different characters, and I'd be fine. I could almost see this again going back to our TV thing. I could almost see this being a TV show on the lines of, like, Walking Dead, where let's just put them in that world of water world, or or not Walking Dead, because I haven't really seen Walking Dead to really compare that. Um, It's not, the first blush when I say this will be, what? (laughs) Uh, But I'm thinking more along the lines of Buffy, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where you have the initial movie... And the TV show that comes after it, and the TV show takes 20% from the movie, but then just spins it off and makes its own thing that way outdoes anything the movie was ever intended to do. That's fair. I don't know if any... I don't know if any networks would ever touch this, though, unless you're going to do all CGI water. 
I could just see it. I, I could see some cable channel, basic cable, AMC or FX, doing Waterworld. And instead of, it's a reboot of the movie with a Kevin Costner character on a ship. No, it's the lead character on a ship. And I've got a dog barking with me, too. Well, she's just agreeing with you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you have the lead character who's out on the boat traveling the oceans and meeting different people. And then there's just different bands on little islands here and there. And it's about survival in them. Kind of like what I understand Walking Dead, where it's not really about, here's the zombie horde and we're going to solve zombies it's just no here's the group of people who are surviving in this world and here's their adventures and i could see water world becoming something like that somebody diving in now whether it's going to be good or not i doubt it but i could see somebody jumping in and saying you know what let's dump everything out from the movie except for the fact that the entire world is water there might be dry land out there and let's follow our main protagonist as he sails the formerly seven seas now the one sea yeah and that setup is fine for me like i said my my biggest beef was just i did not really like any of the characters in it so and and it could end surprisingly where they end up building a rocket ship and they fly off to a different interstellar planet. <laughs> We're all living on the moon. Here I go with Wolfiak <laughs> on the moon. <laughs> okay, Waterworld's done. Dangerous Minds, Michelle Pfeiffer, only famous really because uh, she's spending most of her life living in a gangster's paradise. Is oh, sure. 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 That and a lot of camera tricks to hide a very pregnant Michelle Pfeiffer is all I remember that from. <clears throat> but... Uh, I think they did this, didn't they? They did like a TV show, actually, I think, of this show. I think there was a TV show, yeah. Um, and it, how many other different versions? Of yeah, I was going to say, this is kind of... Teacher a, in the inner city, how do I teach these kids? Kids, yeah, this is this is kind of a formulaic movie. So, uh, move on to uh, Mr. Holland's Opus. Really like this one. Richard Dreyfus. I don't know if I've ever seen this one all the way through. I've seen the end. I know how it ends, but I mean, uh, the rest of it, not not so much. Well, it, it was a very good movie, but I don't know. It doesn't really translate as far as timeless or anything. It was just, it was a good movie. I mean, if we're sitting here playing our roles as execs rolling through this list saying, what do we need to pull off here and start remaking or doing something with? Mm-hmm. I don't know how, what we could do with Mr. Holland's opus outside mm-hmm. of, um, again, translating it again to a longer format TV type of format where we follow Mr. Holland in, as a teacher who has his dreams. Because the basic idea is Mr. Holland has his dreams of being a famous composer who ends up taking a substitute music teaching job that ends up being his long-term career as a music teacher while he's consistently never able to break away and break away from family responsibilities to go become a famous composer. So, yeah, this is another one of those where if you just wanted to take that basic concept and spin it into a different profession, you could probably do it. So, yeah. So that one could translate to a a show, I guess. Uh, Here's one. The next one on the list is, I think, one that is absolutely ripe for being redone. 
Okay. Not a sequel, but a complete reboot of While You Were Sleeping. Because we talked about Jim, Jim Carrey was in the heat of the moment. This was right around the time that Sandra Bullock was right off of Speed and Demolition <laughs> Man, and she was starting to crank up, and this movie came out of nowhere to make all this money, pretty much because Sandra Bullock became the new Julia Roberts. And I think this movie, with its premise, absolutely will be remade in the next... I, I'm going to put money out. The next five years, somebody's going to do While You Were Sleeping reboot, and they're going to do it updated, but basically the same story is going to be told. I think if we're going back to 1995, I think you got to get some real synergy going if you're going to redo this. And I think you need to blend some of the plot of Casper with While You Were Sleeping if you're going to redo this. Well, I mean, if we can bring Pullman back, we will. But we can't <laughs> afford his fees. <laughs> so, I, 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 he, he comes back as Casper and starts <laughs> dating Sandra Bullock. As President Casper. As President Casper. Here to I, save us on Independence Day while I, he I was think, sleeping. I think that that should be the reboot right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Um... No, but I just I see it as one of those interesting romantic rom com type stories that I just I I don't know why, but I just very strongly see this one being rebooted with almost the same story, except with who who's the twenty five year old starlet of the moment now? Emma Stone with pick someone <laughs> I don't know. I think she's already passed that time. I, I think and we're so, we're on to looking Selena at Selena Gomez and exactly somebody okay. in the next five years who's going to be twenty four, twenty three years old, and they're going to say, "Let's remake while you were sleeping." Oh, I remember watching that as a teeny kid before I was born on VHS. So, it, guaranteed, somebody's going to say, "Oh, I love that movie. That needs to be updated for the modern day." If, if there's anything on this list that I would put behind an absolute guaranteed certainty reboot, it would be that one. Fair enough. I again, uh, I'm not. I don't watch many rom coms, and this is one that I have not watched, so I can't really do more. But just go. Oh, agree. Hey, sure. <laughs> so yeah. But do you agree with Congo? No one agrees with Congo. <laughs> All right. Well, then let's move on. Okay. <laughs> leave, leave that alone. <laughs> um, I've actually heard rumblings about Father of the Bride Part 3 uh, with Grandpa Banks and the uh, babies being grown up or something like that. I've heard rumblings and rumors of that actually coming. I don't know. I can't. I, I don't know. I just can't quite see that one coming together. You never know, because nobody in there is really a major, major star. There's no. nobody in there. I mean, the, the three biggest names are Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, and Martin Short. So, And none of them are monster stars anymore. So, no, they're not. I, I could see this one. I could see Father of the Bride Part 3 coming together at some point. I could see them... Oh, we got to recap. It, it's that classic thing. We can recapture that magic. But can you? Can yeah, you? Yeah. I, I guess, okay, I'll, I'll put the executive hat back on. I would say, who is the audience 
that you're trying to connect with. So again, you'd have to do some pretty good casting for any of the younger cast members to pull that demographic in. Um, Twenty years, twenty years ago with this, and like you said, most of these leads aren't going to be people that a lot of folks are familiar with today. And I don't know. I mean, you could probably, uh, I guess, something that's favor. You could probably make this fairly cheap. I would think. I could say you could do that, and it would be a funny family comedy coming out on Thanksgiving weekend. Is Father of the Bride Part 3. Because honestly, I think that's when Part 2 came out, was right around. Because I actually went on a date to see that movie. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Maybe if you wanted to take it as kind of a, sticking with that metaphor, kind of a comfort food movie, then yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could definitely see a sweet romantic trailer with, oh, there's bumbling, there's bumbling Steve Martin, who's still at his things, but at its core, there's still the sweetness factor that's there. And it's not Inspector Clouseau, Steve Martin. Oh, no, skip Cheaper that. Cheaper by the dozen, <laughs> Steve Martin. No, it's Father of the Bride, Steve Martin. And everyone loves Father of the Bride, Steve Martin. And uh-oh, crazy kooky Martin Schwartz back with his crazy kooky language or whatever. I could see this one. You mean Balky? Uh, well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I could see it called Grandfather of the Bride or something, where he uh, now all of a sudden his daughter is, you know, the kid's 20 years old now. So I, I could see that happening. Yeah, I don't know. You might have talked me into this one. Okay. Yeah. I, it, and whether I, I, and again, I'm going through this list say, not saying whether I like it or not. Like, while you were sleeping, I'm not saying absolutely yes. I'm saying my bets are... That if anything in this list is going to qualify, I would say while you were sleeping, and I could say Father of the Bride, I could see somebody pulling pulling the trigger on it, saying, "Yeah, we could do this for under twenty million. And oh no, yeah, I think you could make it fairly. Or not nah, well with the names, I, somewhere between thirty to fifty million is your budget, and I, you could very easily pull in eighty to a hundred, and uh, during a holiday, release it a week before Christmas or Christmas Day. As a, as a fun family film, and boom, I, I, you're you're done. You hear this, Hollywood? We're doing your job for you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of stalling because the next one that we get to mm-hmm. is uh, along with it brings us freedom. Well, it's it, along with its uh, its odd cousin earlier in the list is always going to have those special places at the top of my list of favorite movies of all time and that is Die Hard 1988 which we talked about its sequel earlier and Braveheart Um, Braveheart is a movie that I saw in the movie theater at least 10 times through that year of 1995 and 95 through 96 i think i watched this movie a lot but i have not watched it in quite a while yeah it was it was one of those first movies that i can recall and i was not a little kid by any means but i can just recall feeling like this is the first movie where when the ending credits start i had to catch my breath like remember to breathe kind of a thing where it wasn't like the pulse pounding up it was just one of those it just really sucked you in yeah eye-opening life-affirming kind of things that just really connected with me and my buddies there that summer and yeah we saw that movie endlessly so it always holds the place with die hard for my top two whether i see better movies which 
honestly, we'll get down the list here in a little bit. We might get there um, as far as better movies, but it, it it always holds the top two spots for me <laughs> is, is Braveheart. So redoing something with it, maybe in another 20 years uh, where you're talking about doing something like Spartacus. I think Spartacus kind of had the same feel where it was 1960 and it wasn't until Gladiator in 2000 where it wasn't really a sequel or a direct, but it was kind of in the same ilk. Going going back into that world. But it wasn't until 2010 or so when they decided on TV to do Spartacus. Mm -hmm. So I think Braveheart, somebody's going to try and tackle the William Wallace story in a different way, I'd say within the next 10 to 15 years, just because recently, and I'm talking in the, the last year or so, I've heard rumblings about, and I, it's the exact thing, talking about 20 years since Braveheart, and people saying, well, but Braveheart took so many liberties and was not based on actual factual history at all. I could see somebody coming in and saying, well, let's do a Braveheart miniseries where we actually deal with the real history of William Wallace and not the fanciful Mel Gibson. I could see that happen. Well, and um, I, I I think I was talking to you about the uh, Kate Blanchett Elizabeth series and everything like that and how they're doing... Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they follow through with this plan, but they were talking about doing... Uh, one every 10 years and kind of spreading that out and that type of thing. So I, I think uh, I think there's still an audience for Braveheart. And uh, if you wanted to do kind of a different telling of it and make it more fact-based and everything like that, I, I think people would probably be interested. Yeah, I think what we saw with Braveheart was the first... Uh, the first equivalency of like a Gladiator Rome movie all in the the teens and 20s and 30s you know hollywood was all about making the big budget roman history movies oh yeah and then they got back into prominence in the 50s and 60s was the roman history movies and then we have modern day like gladiator i think braveheart was the first of its kind as far as tackling the the down and dirty gritty middle ages movie well, I was going to say it'll be interesting, too, based on that article that you sent me the other day about how Devona Brothers is, are uh, thinking about doing, what was it, six King Arthur movies? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, so. But I think Braveheart, you know, led to, I mean, you talk about that, the uh, Clive Owen, Kira Knightley, King Arthur movie. That's, uh, yes, 2004. That is that is. That is a Braveheart influence all over it. Oh, completely. I mean, yeah. Braveheart just oh, Rob started. Roy came out this same year, didn't it? Yeah, but it's so different. Rob oh, they're very different. They're in very different time periods and everything like that. But um, I just meant as far as kind of more of one of these historical figure dramas from uh, that region of the world and everything. That's all. Or just that time frame, that general... The year 1000 to before the Renaissance kind of time frame where you get down and dirty and gritty with some sort of historical figure. I, I, mm -hmm. But, I, I, again, I think Braveheart will see its, it, it, its turn here in the next 10 years where somebody – where we get further away from it, more and more people – uh, remember it less as best picture winner and just as oh, it was a sweet movie 
And so it loses a little bit of its luster in that sense to where people don't think it's such a sacred cow anymore. Yeah. Still like that soundtrack, though. Oh, absolutely. James Horner in his prime. <laughs> oh, get shorty. Touch my wiener. Um, <laughs> oh, man. It's an Elmore Leonard classic. Uh, it was the first Elmore Leonard movie I saw where I didn't realize it was Elmore Leonard. And then when I saw Out of Sight, I'm like, oh, this guy's cool. Oh, he did something else. Oh, he did Get Shorty. And I went back and watched it. Um, <laughs> it was okay. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a product of its time. Yeah, I got nothing on this. I never read any of uh, Elmore Leonard movies or books, and I've never seen this movie. So, <laughs> All right, Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing for you on that one, sorry. <laughs> All right, well, let's fly through them then. Bridges of Madison County. Uh, I've seen parts of this one, at least. Uh, again, did not read the book. Um, usually, it, well, this was one of the earlier Eastwood directing efforts, yes? This was coming on the heels of Unforgiven. Yeah, but that's not early. That man's been directing since 1972. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it was, yeah, but it was coming off the heels of Unforgiven and In the Line of Fire, kind of the Eastwood renaissance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I mean, I, I saw it. I don't really have much to say about it. It was okay. I It was based on a book. I'm sure somebody somewhere along the line will say, hey, you know what? It was Bridges of Madison County. Well, I think didn't they do another? Wasn't there another book? I'm sure there was. I feel like there was another book. I, I there probably was. I, I would think that if they'd want to do anything, uh, maybe a, a prequel about this guy's life. But it, it, from what I remember, the story was so singular about that one event, that it's one pre- period of time. Probably best just to leave this one. Yep. Yep. Uh, Mortal Kombat. And it's a video game movie. Whatever. <laughs> video and video games work. of a very different era, and we've got plenty more. I mean, they're what got an Assassin's Creed movie coming out, I think, this year or next year. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we're we're still doing video game movies. So someday one will work. <laughs> Grumpy old men, a sequel. Ah, uh, this is another one where I think this one's really contingent on the actors who were in it. Exactly. And I have two things I could say about that. Number one, you I could see them doing a grumpy old men, like I said earlier, kind of a franchise where you take, you know, the current crop of old guys who are funny, who are still acting. Uh, who I don't know who the hell that would be now. Um, people age so differently. Um, yeah, they really do. <laughs> I don't know who you'd go. I oh man, I can't even think of anybody. Well, I'm trying to think of who in today's Hollywood would even want to have that label slapped on them. Uh, oh wait, 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 wait! We've got natural casting here. Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Well, he's already there. Yeah. Yeah, he's there. Is this Harrison Ford? And I, Mark I, I'm putting him in the Walter Matthau role. Or see if they can find uh, Gene Hackman and Sean Connery, and this will be their comeback. Oh, there you go. <laughs> grumpy old man. <laughs> the grumpiest. I'm, I'm going with Connery. I like that one. Okay, so. Ford <laughs> and Connery. Know. There we go. <laughs> and every 10 years, you just find your old uh, actors. Who would, be, who would be the woman that they're fighting over, though? Who would be our Anne Margaret in this recast? Well, you got Anne Margaret and Sophia Loren, so uh, Helen Mirren, I guess. Okay, kind of I could a, see that. I could see that. 
kind of a go-to. Raquel Welch, maybe. Um, I mean, that's still going back to the 60s. I can't think. Uh, yeah. Shirley McLean or Diane Keaton. Um, I like Helen Mirren. I, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> but um, I, I remember uh, writing like a, uh, not a fan fiction, but for screenplay class in college. And we had to come up with, uh, a, like, they gave us like a, a day where they said, all right, uh, you need to pitch five ideas or something like that. And it's and the the teacher said whatever you want to do, just pitch, just what, just any ideas we need to pitch. You need to have five ideas. You have just to write down a number, any number <laughs> you win. win. <laughs> and I remember that one of the biggest responses that I got from the class that whole semester was that when I pitched Grumpy Old Men Three, where mm-hmm. we live in a world where none of our famous people who died died. And so Grumpy Old Men 3, where James Dean and Marilyn Monroe move in down the street and horn in on their territory. And that that would have been Grumpy Old Men 3. How was that received? Uh, it was received very well, actually. <laughs> where was, hey, look, it's James Dean and Marilyn Monroe. And, uh-oh, Elvis is moving in down the next door. Wow. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's enough of Grumpy Old Men. Uh, nine months... It was an interesting take on the whole rom-com with pregnancy and going through the person, the woman giving birth, and oh, isn't that funny how angry she's getting? Uh, they updated it with Knocked Up. I don't see any reason to go any further. Do yep. you? Um, if it's got Hugh Grant, let's move on. Hey, that's good. Roll out. <laughs> <laughs> Roll over, Liberty. <laughs> Outbreak has been uh, done. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? Contagion? Soderbergh's movie was basically mm-hmm. the same thing mm-hmm. on less of an actiony realm. Where uh, I did, I did not like Outbreak. Well, it was Wolfgang Peterson. He was doing his full, full blown. We're gonna just turn Dustin off. Never seemed to find. It just never seemed to really find a tone or something. It just seemed very scattered. Is the main thing I remember about it, and it's just like, well, what are we? Do- Why are we over here now? kind of a lot of that for me so again it's been so long since i watched this but it's like oh good we're back with the monkey again i I enjoyed it i I give it a on a rotten tomatoes score i give it like a a 60 i'm going with 12 monkeys for my pandemic outbreak movie of 1995 (laughs) Uh, fair enough fair enough (laughs) now it was it was okay it was wolfgang peterson in the the heat of his action world in the line of fire and air force one and um so i liked in the line of fire fine i liked air force one fine this one just i didn't connect with all right well it's been redone yes uh heat is otherwise known as the dark knight so we can already say that that one has been redone. Uh-huh. Uh, the only thing I could think of is doing another... Is there another actor pair like De Niro, Pacino, where people are clamoring for, these two need to be on screen again? Uh. And is it something like... Well, I, I, I really guess we've already seen really that, don't though. don't think that... Well, okay. Ooh. Well, no, I mean, we, we. it's already ever since that time where... Hollywood realized, you know what? All we have to do is create this sense of urgency for people to want to see these two actors, and now we get it in spades. 
Now it's, hey, wouldn't it be great if Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Willis were in one movie together? Yeah, they were, and it was awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. W- w- wouldn't it be great to see these guys together? Yeah, well, it's happening, and eh. What, uh, okay. Yeah, but we were also we were also, and I mean no no disrespect with this, but we were also getting a lot of those guys getting together after their prime. Um, I think Pacino and De Niro they were coming to the end of that period, but I think they were still, you know, uh, they they were still recognizable for the actors and the roles and all that kind of stuff that they were really famous for. This is pre Meet the Fockers and. Uh, 88 minutes and things like that so all right well we're going long here and we're only up to number 23 so (laughs) what i'll say about heat is that i was bored to tears the first time i ever saw it basically because it's a seven and a half hour movie and i went to like an 1150 showtime with a bunch of friends and fell asleep so i never really gave it a fair shot um it seems ultra long and ultra boring to me but that's just because i never went back to it uh, I've, but I've only could, seen it the one time too, and I had problems with the pacing as well. But I could see it being—it's a new NBC Law and Order type thing where it's heat, where these two cops are the the cop and the 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 crook face off or whatever. I, I could see that happening where it's heat, the TV show. Probably. I want to take their face off. Oh man. <laughs> okay, well, babe. <laughs> uh, um, we got a sequel to that already, and and it's probably going to live on. Was this based on... off of a book? Uh, probably. I, it feels like something that would have been based off of a book. Yeah. Uh, Waiting to Exhale. Never uh, saw it. Done. Sorry. <laughs> out. Uh, Bad Boys. Well, we got Bad Boys Two. They're supposedly talking about doing Bad Boys Three. I like Bad Boys Two. Never, never really cared for the first one. Fair enough. Oh, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> good. Uh, American President, we already have seen. It was called Seven Years of the West Wing. <laughs> because it was written also by... Also with Martin Sheen, hey! And also written by Aaron Sorkin. So, yep, yep. I think we've, we've seen it's that the, one. The prequel to the West Wing, there we go. Though, the idea of having a single president in the White House... Uh, it, as far-fetched as that will be in our modern culture of family values, where I could never see in a million years a single person in the White House, uh, unless somebody was in the White House and their their spouse died while in office. I was going to say, I think we've only had one bachelor president, haven't we? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It, it's an interesting idea, but again, West Wing dealt with more of the politics side and not the actual characterization of a widowed president, which I think could it could work again in a modern day where you flip it up and say, well, let's reboot it, but this time, it's a woman president. Who's- uh, yeah, see, this is one I could see. This is similar to what you were saying about while you were sleeping. I could I could see somebody recycling this one. Yeah, and just switching genders. I yeah, think that's just all it something. Just some minor little nudge one way or another, and yeah, I could see them redoing this. All right, let's let's fly through this sucker. Species, there was a bunch of sequels. You didn't see it, right? I didn't see it. <laughs> uh, very well could probably be like a, a TV show on sci-fi now. Based on species. Speaking of TV shows, 12, yeah. 12 Monkeys. Yeah, this is one that I really like. I really like 12 Monkeys. 
Well, I guess you got to watch the TV show. I guess I do. I didn't even know it was out yet. <laughs> I thought that was coming out later. Yeah, I guess that's how we fly through it now. Is if it's already happening, there's not much more we there's can There's not much really. point in yeah, saying a whole lot about it. Uh, which Clueless is the same thing. Had a TV show based off of it, so... I, you can't really go anywhere with it. I know. I know that it did. How far removed from the movie was it? Do you remember? It wasn't that long ago. I don't think. No. Okay. No, I, I don't think it was. It had to have been within the last six, seven, or eight years. Okay. Uh, Sabrina was a remake. Well, that was a remake. Itself. So I'm sure that we could maybe have a remake again, even though the original story and then the story of this one really didn't seem to go anywhere for me. It it seemed like a very flimsy, useless story. Didn't really seem like it was worth, even the original was a story worth telling, much less remaking. Yeah, this is another one I just never really connected with. It was kind of so, boring. Yeah. Uh, okay, now we're starting to dread down <laughs> in here. Uh, Alright, well let's let's do the highlight ones here. I don't think either of us probably have anything to say about something to talk about uh, other than ripping probably on the net. <laughs> I don't know if there's... Uh, I, I think that would just be way too hard to do something with today. Unless you were going to do something... I mean, that was one of the, I guess, earliest examples of identity theft as far as being part of a plot. But aside from that, I don't really know what else you could do with it. I mean, from the technology end of it, they were stretching credibility back then. Yeah. I... We've just seen too much. There's too much involved with the internet now to yeah. even approach it. That, that was a movie of its time. That was very much of its time. The net is something spooky. Oh, no. Yeah, what I think that's when it? we just got to leave back with Windows 95. <laughs> uh, Under Siege, uh, that died with uh, Seagal, but I could definitely see somebody taking the Under Siege world back into a modern day with somebody different. There you go. There's the Crimson Tide sequel. <laughs> Blend it with Under Siege, the reboot. Crimson Siege. <laughs> uh, Walk of uh, the Clouds. The clouds. Uh, again, uh, I've heard of it. Never watched it. Brady Bunch movie. Hilarious. Yes. Don't need to touch if it. You, yes, if you have not seen the genius of Gary Cole's performance <laughs> in this and the, uh, I, I think there are two sequels, but the sequel right after this, do yourself a favor, go rent this or watch it. Uh, the man is hilarious in it. In fact, that just gives me the idea of what needs to open this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, uh, Sense and Sensibility, based off of a book. There's lots of other Jane Austen books. Um, I believe they will just keep doing Jane Austen spinoffs and sequels and remakes and everything. So I don't think we got to touch that one too much. Yep. Casino is a Scorsese, De Niro, and so far Scorsese is still around. He's still kicking. And everything he's done is like stuck in iron and no one ever touches so this is just another one of those movies that is on the the Scorsese list that I think after Scorsese passes on or retires maybe somebody's going to start looking at his stuff like Raging Bull and Goodfellas I think this will be way down on the list of somebody planning on doing anything else with that's my opinion Agreed. Uh, Man of the House this happened 
<clears throat> Next. Uh, <laughs> Dead Man Walking. I have a, a personal connection to Dead Man Walking, but uh, outside of that, I didn't really like the movie. Okay. Because um, the the nun who is the that Susan Sarandon played in the movie and won an Academy Award for is Sister Helen Prejean. And I have an aunt who passed away in 2001 who was a nun as well and started a mission in Nicaragua for 30-some-odd years. Hmm. And she was actually in the same convent with Sister Helen Prejean, and they were best friends. So um, I've actually met Sister Helen Prejean before years ago. Oh, okay. Uh, But outside of that, uh, sorry if if you're listening. Actually, I think she's dead. Um, I didn't like the movie. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was just one of those mid '90s like this is dramatic, and that was it. Yeah, and again, I think I've only seen bits and pieces of it. I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. Uh, French Kiss. I'm going to put that on the while you were sleeping list of probably going to turn back up in some way. I, I don't know if it, it exactly will turn up. Just because it's it was just a unique thing, but it's such a tropey rom com that it's kind of pointless to even think yeah. about. Our uh, learning did not see, never have watched. Um, can't <laughs> probably say a whole lot about. I, aren't they doing another Mighty Morphin? I'm sure they're, I'm sure they're talking about it, and we'll, we'll see. Well, one of these guys just stabbed somebody with a sword <laughs> in the last week, so he's probably out for the remake if they are doing one. Well, he just killed the president of Paraguay with a fork. How have uh, you been? And then we get to first night. Oh, God. Yeah, we'll save that. We're talking about doing an Arthur episode. We'll save our feelings on that. Do we? uh, Do we? I I would be fine without saying much more than you don't need to reboot this or recast it. Hey, you disappeared there for a second. (laughs) Just like first night. I'm leaving that in because first night is awful. Never, ever, ever, ever take me back to first Leave night. Leave it alone. Right. Uh, Just Cause. I feel like I saw this on Netflix streaming within the last couple of years. I do not remember anything about it if I did. Yeah, we're scraping the bottom of the We are. Two Wong Fu, here. thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Mm. It was just an odd movie. Yep. Of its time. Of its time. Indian the Cupboard, uh, based on a book. Probably be done again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A goofy, a goofy movie. movie. Uh, there's sure probably is. 20 sequels uh, off of that, knowing Disney. So, money I mean to train worry about with that. that. With that wonderful combo of Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson that everyone loved so much. You uh, knew we wanted them back before you had uh, Jackie Chan and uh, Chris uh, Tucker. Thank you. <laughs> you had Snipes and Harrelson. And then we've had Dread. We did. Yep, they have already redone this without Rob Schneider, apparently, <laughs> somehow. All right, and that's the top 50. Wow. Now, however, uh, that's the top 50 U.S. box office for 1995, which I don't understand who does those calculations mm-hmm. because there are three glaring glaring <laughs> i mean i can't imagine one of them i know what you're gonna say i can't imagine how these three movies were not on that list 
unless they're counting like later into the next year, which they they're not supposed to do. From my understanding, the year a movie is released is the year it's counted for box office period. Like Titanic is the highest grossing movie of all time or whatever from 1997. But it was released on like December 19th, 1997 and made all its money in 98. But it's still a 1997. So how Apollo 13, <laughs> Toy Story, Toy Story yep. and The Usual Suspects could not be on this list only because they came out later in the year is mind-boggling. Yeah, those are some pretty glaring omissions here. I just don't understand it. Toy Story, the original Toy Story, came out in December. Uh, let's see. Ba-ba. Opening weekend, 118. Budgeted $30 million. Gross. Uh, a hundred and ninety-one million. So, did we skip over it? I just don't understand. Well, because... gosh, uh, that's more than freaking Batman Forever made. Exactly. So, I f you, yeah, IMDb. Some, something is wrong here with this list because they've got Toy Story listed at thirty point six million. Maybe this is what it cost to make these back then. Nope. Maybe US, this isn't US the box gross. Office. Nope. U.S. box office. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. yeah, this list is all kinds of goofy. So f you, IMDb. You're you're screwy. You're just screwy, is what you are. <laughs> but I, I yeah, I, I take Usual Suspects, Toy Story, and then of course the movie I was going to refer to, Apollo 13, which mm. Roger that it will forever be going down in history for me as a movie that I could watch today. And still enjoy almost every minute of it like I did back then. Agreed. Like, I could watch Braveheart right now and be like, okay, I kind of burned through this in 1995 to 1998. <laughs> Die Hard. <laughs> I, I saw this about 800 times up until 1991. And eh, I can enjoy it. But Apollo 13 I can watch right now and still enjoy as though it were a brand new to me. And they have already uh, delivered a spectacular sequel to that in the form of the HBO series from the Earth to the Moon. Yeah, Tom Hanks, Spielberg. So, yeah, yeah. Again, if you're not familiar with that, if you haven't seen it, go get it, watch them. And I think you can't really do any better than what they did with Apollo 13. Yeah. Uh, you, you can't. You can't beat no it. No complaints on that. Yeah, that's a movie that should not be lost to time. No, not at all. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, Toy Story is just an ongoing juggernaut that... Yeah, they're doing they're doing a fourth one of those, right? Uh, eventually, yeah. Uh, there yeah. Were, I think Rashida Jones, actually, is one of the writers on it, which is interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, those, yeah, they talk about a series that just keeps getting better. I mean, Toy Story, fantastic. Toy Story 2, holy crap, that was good. Toy Story 3, oh my god, that got nominated for Best Picture. Well, it's interesting, too, how, you know, we're kind of aging with the characters in a sense, too, and looking at different points in childhood and in your life with these characters and everything. Absolutely. I think that's what keeps that one viable. Yeah, and I think it'd just be viable until Tim Allen or... Tom Hanks don't want to speak anymore, apparently. <laughs> uh, and then there's just here and there, there's a bunch of other movies uh, that 
Tommy Boy, yeah. Billy Madison, Desperado. Yeah, I mean, there's different Desperados. Billy Madison essentially kickstarted the Sandler we all know and love now so much. And it takes two with the Olsen twins, Steve Greenberg <laughs> and Kirstie Alley. Oh my God! Oh God! Yes, um, don't don't remake this. Put this in there with First Night. There's the uh, live action Toy Story that it kind of does the same thing. The Before Sunrise began in '95 and mm, is kind yep. of a similar thing where it ages with its characters and. Uh, we've gotten two sequels since then where the characters are as old as the actors are. So There's uh, kind of a quirky entry that just since we're sitting here in this year and we're both Sam Raimi fans and just talked about him, do you have an opinion about the movie The Quick and the Dead? Uh, decent idea, but never landed. Is that one that should be that somebody should take another pass at? Not necessarily Raimi. Well, it's interesting. If I look that up, I'd be interested to see who actually wrote it. Uh, writer Simon Moore. Okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> known for Traffic, Quick and the Dead, and Gulliver's Travels. Okay, well, never mind. I was going to say, I wonder if that was a Sam Raimi produced or anything like that. But, um, yeah. I, if especially if you, if somebody wants to keep the western alive, mm-hmm. I think my personal opinion is the only way you can really keep the western alive, and that's only my personal opinion because, frankly, I'm just not a huge fan of the western. It was not of my western's generation. kind of like yeah, well that that whole kind of genre of storytelling to me, it's kind of like jazz. I like jazz music. But there's so much bad jazz that yeah. you got to wade through. And, I mean, there are certain artists or actors or however you want to look at it who usually can come through and you feel pretty good, you know, when they go into that genre or something like that. And um, I, we kind of had a little bit of a renaissance with that there in the late 2000s. But, yeah, uh, westerns are a hard sell. But what I was thinking is the idea behind Quick and the Dead that didn't really work but I like that idea of a western, not what we've gotten, which are are good movies, I guess. Is you know, True True Grit, the Coen Brothers, or uh, the 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 Coward Robert Ford mm-hmm. deal, or yep. three, tra- three, ten, three Ten to Yuma. Three to Yuma. Yep. They're all decent, but I like the idea of going back to a more heightened reality western, uh, like a Briscoe County, um, where things are. Dirty and muddy like the Old West, but it's not real reality dirt and muddy. It's more of a heightened, fun kind of a Western. That would be what I'd be interested in looking at, and I think that's what he was going for. But isn't that what Seth MacFarlane was going for last summer? I'm sure that's what he was going for. <laughs> and what he failed at miserably, you mean? Oh, uh, oh right. Oh, oh, a million days oh. to die in the West. A million yeah. ways to die in the West. Number one on the way to die in the West? Watch that movie. <laughs> it was ter- terrible. I don't know. We've been going on here for an hour and a half about 1995. Uh, there's plenty of other movies that I'm sure could go. Mall Rats was... Um, Kevin Smith was... A- I thought that was 94. Uh, Clerks was 94. Oh, Clerks was 94. Okay. 95. 1995 was 20 years ago. Take that, 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) 
So out of the whole list of about 55 movies that we mentioned, mm-hmm. of those 55, it sounds like our consensus is, is that While You Were Sleeping will be made, remade at some point. Yeah, a lot of a lot of those rom-coms we're thinking are going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Father of the Bride Part 3. Yes. Uh, you're, you're down for seven. Yeah, you talked me you talked me into that one. Um limited run series or uh something. Yeah. And Twelve Monkeys already exists. Mm-hmm. And whether or not Braveheart will find another life, I, I think it will. And uh Some, something something else. I mean, even if they tackle uh you know, different character or something like that, I think the aesthetics of that film will show back up again. And Ace Ventura, uh, you're over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can retire Ace. It's it's okay. Or just have him pop up, like I said, on College Humor or something for a few minutes. It's fine. So basically, the rom-coms will get re-remade as movies, and everything else gets their limited-run TV show. Yep. That's what it sounds like we're predicting. <laughs> Usual suspects? Oh, you're on FX channel. And, uh, yeah. 1995. Woo! Now, our next episode will be all about 1995 television shows. Uh Uh-oh. I'll be there for you. (laughs) The single guy with Jonathan Silverman. Yeah! Oh, oh, dear God, no. Beep, boop, boop, boop. ER. Beep, boop, boop, boop. Are are we doing the television shows of 1995 or the television shows of 1995 on NBC? (laughs) Was there any other television in 1995 (laughs) outside of The Simpsons? I mean, really, think about it. (laughs) What other channels had anything worth watching in 1995? Oh, I'm sure we still had Tim the Tool Man Taylor floating around over there on ABC. <laughs> oh, I'm sure Roseanne was still on. Roseanne was probably still going, yeah. <laughs> oh, 1995. The first year of wild card playoffs in baseball. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's 1995 over yet? I think it is. I think we can uh, lay this back into the dust of history. Or, as Hootie and the Blowfish would say, we can <laughs> let it go. <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Oh, what's in the box? Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Okay, but ah! Uh huh. You were. I see. Ah. Uh-huh. All right. Brrr.